Hey, yeah, uh, Spiro Avenue, Detroit Sports Show. Hey, Spiro Avenue, I'll show you how it goes. Justin Spiro, Eric Vincent, that's the team, can't ignore. And Eric used to work for 95.5 out in Detroit. Hey, no love for Andre Drummond, they gotta criticize him. Shout out Jose Canseco, what up to Dennis Rodman? You looking for the realest, no holding back at all. Need Spiro Avenue, yeah, that's who you should call. Hey, they the greatest team, I salute ya. They criticize the game, even make fun of Greg Cooper. Keep it real and keep it authentic. And shout out to the Spartans. Hey, Spiro Avenue, Detroit Sports Show. Hey, Spiro Avenue, I'll show you how it goes. Justin Spiro, Eric Vincent, that's the team, can't ignore. And Eric used to work for 95.5 out in Detroit. Hey, Spiro Avenue, make sure you tune in. Whoop! Ah, yes, welcome back to Spiro Avenue. I am your host, Justin Spiro, joined, as always, by my producer, Eric Vincent. And this is a very interesting week for me. We are sitting in a studio adorned with Michigan State paraphernalia, and this is arguably the darkest time in Michigan State history. The athletic department is under a significant fire from every direction, and it is certainly emotional times at Michigan State University. And it's important to keep in mind that perspective is important, especially at times like this. Uh, emotional issues tend to lead to a, a craving for emotional judgments. And in general, this is just bad practice. And this is something you've seen again and again throughout history, perhaps most famously on the world stage, if not just the American stage, 1988. Michael Dukakis, George Bush, in a debate, there was a question about capital punishment that basically lost Michael Dukakis that election. He had been very anti the death penalty throughout that entire campaign. And the question is thrown to him, what if your wife were the one that were kidnapped and brutally murdered? And we'll play that clip. Governor, if Kitty Dukakis were raped and murdered, would you favor an irrevocable death penalty for the killer. No, I don't, Bernard, and I think you know that I've opposed the death penalty during all of my life. Uh, I don't see any evidence that it's a deterrent, and I think there are better and more effective ways to deal with violent crime. We've done so in my own state, and it's one of the reasons why we have uh, had the biggest drop in crime of any industrial state in America, why we have the lowest murder rate of any industrial state in America. So again, that's arguably the most famous moment in presidential debate history. And really, Dukakis lost that not because he needed to throw off his anti-death penalty stance or because his position was wrong, but it's the way it was answered. What he should have said was in that situation, of course I would want that person dead. I would want to string them up. I would want to drag them through the dirt. I would want to kick them in the face. Every revenge fantasy possible. But I'm not the one to make that decision because victims and victims' family members and friends are not the ones in a position to mete out justice. There's a reason for that in our justice system. Famously quoted by Aristotle, the law is reason free from passion. So that's really the, the crux of, of the law and the justice system. And believe it or not, we are already in the legal avenue with Michigan State right now. The Attorney General's office is deeply involved with their investigation underway. So our, our gut feeling is to just nuke everything in sight. And, and we want to drop a nuclear bomb in East Lansing and just fly away, blow it all up because we're mad and we should be mad. Anyone with an ounce of humanity should be deeply disturbed by what happened in East Lansing. And I don't want to hear from anyone about, oh, 
What about the USA Gymnastics Association? What about that board? It was them too. I don't want to hear that. Okay, they have their own problems. It doesn't mean they're absolved from anything, but that has nothing to do with you. If you care about Michigan State at all, you should be uh, deeply disturbed by everything and don't be looking to point the fingers anywhere else because there's plenty that went on in East Lansing that's troubling. We don't know exactly what in every case, but we know there's enough there that something here went wrong. But it's also important to just take one step back and let this investigation play out. And that was something Attorney General Bill Schutte, who's also running for, for governor here shortly, came out yesterday and said that this investigation is going to go exactly where the facts take us. There's not going to be an emotional charge behind the investigation. There's not going to be this sense of answering to the public. They're just going to follow the facts, let the facts drive the investigation, let the facts drive the outcome. So there are people out there that are saying, Burn everything to the ground, fire everyone, disband the athletic department. And you know what? There's a chance that there will be enough smoke here and enough fire here ultimately that you're absolutely right. There's a chance that that's true. Maybe Tom Izzo is Satan. Maybe Mark D'Antonio is Jack the Ripper. And we want the catharsis of just blowing up the whole world in East Lansing. That, that's tempting. But we have to wait because you have to get this right. There's been enough wrong here already. There's enough wrong here to fill the fattest textbook on planet Earth. There's already been enough wrongdoing here. There's already been enough victimization. And I'm not suggesting that an unfair investigation would victimize anyone to the extent that Larry Nassar's victims were victimized. I'm not saying that. But you can't throw injustice at injustice to solve Injustice. So even though we might want to burn Tom Izzo at the stake, if the facts don't point in a direction that Tom Izzo knew something and actively or, or through passivity f- helped fester this culture and helped feed this culture of sexual assault at Michigan State, you're not doing anybody any good by victimizing Tom Izzo. Now, if the evidence is there, I'll be in line with you as much as I love him to say he's got to go. But just wait two seconds and let's see where this investigation goes. Because all eyes are on the state of Michigan with this investigation. All eyes are on East Lansing. So there's not going to be any sweeping this under the rug, which you could argue has been going on since Larry Nassar got there two decades ago. That's not going to be going on anymore. Okay? We are going to get answers here, for better or for worse. So just pump the brakes. I know the angry mob is tempted to just burn everything and ask questions later you got to ask the questions first because creating uh, Jack the Rippers uh, out of whole cloth with nothing there or not enough there to paint them in that direction, in, in that way, it's not solving anything. It may, it may make you feel good. It's going to make an awful situation that much worse by just creating more victims uh, in a situation that's already so upsetting. You can't watch this storyline for 10 minutes without wanting to break down. It's the most upsetting thing in my entire lifetime. That I've seen, it's the most disappointing uh, thing I can possibly imagine being associated with, where you have minors being molested and having their innocence robbed by someone who was in an ultimate position of trust and authority. So this is already the worst situation ever that I can fathom. In terms of the comparisons to Sandusky, there's just more victims. There's arguably more people that knew about this. Arguably, we don't know that yet, but or had reason to know or reason to be disturbed. I'm not into comparing all these situations, which one's worse. Who cares? They're just just—they're both terrible. But everyone just take two seconds, let the investigation play out, 
Don't fire people asking questions later. It's not the way to handle this. So this is an interesting show today. We have Chris Fry joining us in just a minute. He was the captain of Michigan State football team last year in their rebound season. And I want to talk to him a little bit about his career, but I also want to talk to him about this whole situation. And and the reason I reached out to, to Chris Fry about this is because he's been very vocal on Twitter about it, defending Mark D'Antonio, insisting that he is not as he's been painted to be by the reporters at ESPN, the Outside the Lines report. He's refuted that pretty pretty vocally and publicly. So uh, we're bringing in Chris Fry. Uh, we're going to try to get Greg Henson in here in a minute as well, legendary Detroit sports radio personality currently living in Pittsburgh. There's a lot to tackle here today, and we're going to do the best we can to handle it in a mature fashion it's it's a tough subject. I, I'm not going to lie. So it's tough. But uh, we'll, we'll grab Chris Fry on the line here and, and get the show rolling. Spiro Avenue. You are listening to the Spiro Avenue podcast with Justin Spiro and Eric Vincent. All right. We are joined by Chris Fry, former Michigan State linebacker, just completed a very successful senior season in East Lansing. He was a team captain for the turnaround squad of 2017. Chris Fry, welcome to Spiro Avenue. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. I, I want to jump right into the, the big news. Your former coach, Mark D'Antonio, has come under some fire for the culture at MSU. You've been in the middle of this football program for half a decade. Do you buy that there's a, a culture of sexual assault in East Lansing? Absolutely not. Um, I think that sexual assault is something that definitely happens in uh, major universities across the United States, and um, it's a horrible thing. But in my opinion, I haven't, you know, I've, I've been there for the lowest of lows in 2016 and, and see four of my former teammates, um, you know, catch, catch a, uh, come across a case of, of sexual assault. And those guys were immediately kicked off the team. And I feel as if Coach D handled that in the absolutely best way possible um, for him and for the team and um, for the university and the program. I personally don't think that there's what they say is a, a sexual assault culture um, at the university. So, I mean, you mentioned that Mark D'Antonio has had to discipline uh, players during your tenure, and, and you mentioned the most prominent case happening in, in 2016 where you lost four prominent players. I mean, just in general, you don't see Mark D'Antonio as a lenient guy or a guy that's not willing to – to crack the whip to keep his program in line where it's the program just running amok. I mean, he runs a, a relatively tight ship in your opinion, does he not? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he knows everything that's going on. And um, if anything comes about, he's going to be the first person to you know, talk to that guy and, and see what's going on, assess how he's handling himself uh, socially uh, and, and take, take matters into his own hands and, and do what he has to do. But, you know, in cases like this and, you know, like the case last year or uh, two years ago, you know, he found out and, you know, the police went straight to the police. The, we had, and I'm not kidding you when I say this, I swear we had maybe in two months span, we had probably six times in two months or seven times in two months where the Office of Institutional Equity, also the Title IX, also the, the Title IX office would come in and talk to our football team about, sexual assault and, and different different things of that nature. And, um, you know, not not only just at that time, but every year we have one or two a year talking about sexual assault. And, uh, and 
it happened after when when ba- the whole Baylor thing went down and uh, when when Minnesota when it happened at Minnesota. There's there's been times where you see cases of sexual assault in other universities, and Coach D took it upon himself to bring in that off the office of that. Uh, institutional equity and have talks with our team to you know, keep guys' minds right and, and know what's going on in, uh, in uh, different universities. So, I mean, you've been very vocal on Twitter about this. You discussed specifically the difficult position that NCAA coaches are in, uh, specifically regarding when athletes are accused of crimes without you know, the smoking gun evidence and you liken it to a he said, she said situation. Are you concerned about due process for your former teammates going forward and just college athletes in general where the the oven is so hot now, particularly in East Lansing, where you have to balance this issue with due process for the athletes while still taking accusers more seriously perhaps than they've been taken in the past? Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing is, like, you know, I, I stated, you know, multiple cases in my tweet uh, of about of, about people, athletes who were, you know, accused of sexual assault and were later, uh, later the cases were dropped because there was, you know, it was found that the, the female was, uh, had made up the, the story. And that wasn't honestly about, like, what my tweet was about. Like, you know, I have so much respect for every single woman that, you know, came forward and stepped up for themselves and told their story about the, the Larry Nassar case. It was, you know, empowering for those women and, you know, and it, you know, it, it really struck me, you know, because I know some of those women and I have so much respect for every single one of them that came forward. But for me, you know, my point was, you know, what what are coaches supposed to do in situations like this? Because, you know, obviously, in my opinion, and what Coach D did as soon as he found out about the four guys in 2016, he has suspended them immediately. And, you know, I think that's what, what you're supposed to do. But beyond that, you see guys get accused, and they're instantly on the news. So and so was accused of, of of rape, and they're instantly kicked off the team. No questions asked. Done. Well, if they're in that, and then the investigation goes forward, and there's no evidence found, well, that guy's career is ruined. Like, you know, a lot of guys go to their dream school. Like, a lot of a lot of these guys, Michigan State was their dream school, or whatever it was with their dream school, and then they lose that opportunity to play there. And then you Google search them, and every time you Google search them, it's so-and-so was accused of rape, so-and-so sexual assault, sexual assault, rape. But there weren't charges filed, or there wasn't enough evidence to charge that person, but that's the, the name that that person has for the rest of their lives. So, you know, for me, like, I, just, I, I really don't understand why, you know, college athletes, as soon as they're accused, it's national news. And then they're under the firing gun of, you know, people judging them and, you know, have, making up their own stories and you know, having their own say in everything that's going on when, in the end, that person, either charges weren't, weren't filed or there's no evidence to, to prove that that person is guilty and they still lose their scholarship, they still might have spent time in jail, and their name has been drugged through the mud, that university's name has been drugged through the mud, but nothing happened. And I think and that, that, was, that was my whole thing with that tweet is, you know, I just, I don't, where, where, is, where is the line drawn? And it's not just false accusations, but 
you know, and I, I think that it happens where, you know, women come forward and, and they actually were sexual assaulted and the guys get away with it. And that's another tough thing you have to discuss is, you know, if a guy actually did do it, but there's no evidence against it and their charges aren't brought and he doesn't go to prison or he doesn't go to jail. And you, know, you have to you have to figure out a way to you know combat that and, and find a way to go about that in college athletics. And I, I agree. I don't know what that way is, and I, I don't know if there's an, a, a good answer for that. I, I just yeah, think it, it's – I don't think there is either. It's, it's tough. It's a very tough spot. And, I, you know, you mentioned with the policies that Michigan State had in place with, you know, Title IX and the, the training with sexual assault. They are quite unquestionably the football program and bas- basketball program as well. They're in the crosshairs, particularly with ESPN right now. Uh, you know, you read the Outside the Lines report, I assume, just based on your commentary on, on Twitter. Do you just think that this is momentum from Nasser sort of carrying over? Is ESPN unfairly targeting Michigan State if the policies in place were pretty standard across NCAA? Yeah, I, and I don't, here's the thing. Is I don't know the exact details of everything. And, you know, there's the one case where supposedly Coach D had a kid call his mom as punishment. And I don't know exactly what happened in that case, but from my understanding, like the policy for Michigan State, just and this is completely different, but for drugs, like if a guy fails a drug test at Michigan State, the policy is your first time is thirty or is a is a warning, and your and Coach D calls your parents. And I was talking to my dad about this, and I, and he said to me, like, you know, if you were accused of sexual assault and Coach D found out about it, I would expect him to have you call me. And tell me whether there's charges brought up against you or, you know, you're, you're falsely accused or there's no evidence to prove that you did it. I would, he would still expect coach D to have me call my dad and say, dad, look, I'm getting accused of sexual assault or mom. I'm being accused of sexual assault. I'm, you know, in the middle of an investigation, my parents expect that. And I, I don't know if that's what happened with that case, but um, that, that could be it. Well, I don't. I don't think that there's any issue with having someone call their parent. I think the issue that that was taken up in the article and the report was that it was the sole punishment was to to call the parent, not that it was a component of it. But I mean, I don't know. This the whole thing hasn't really come out in full yet, and there's a lot of pieces that are missing from from what I can tell. I mean, you still have friends on the team. I, I assume you're, you're a popular guy, Absolutely. team captain. I mean, what's yeah, the what's totally. the buzz? What's the buzz with your former teammates? Is there fear of a NCAA punishment, a bowl band, Antonio being fired? I mean, what what's the feeling up there from your remaining teammates? Honestly, it's, you know, it's wait and see. I'm still in a group chat with all of those guys, and um, you know, they still want. I mean, me and and Riley Bola and a couple of the guys on the team are still in a group chat, and you know, everybody every day it's you know, guys, we need to stay off Twitter. We don't need to but like have any say in this. We can't afford to you know say the wrong thing and you know every day it's you know let's wait and see the next week or so we we have no idea what's going to happen uh you know with all the accusations against coach d and coach Izzo and um the administration you have we have no idea what what is going to happen and what could possibly happen and what might not happen you know are you are you worried about the future of the athletic department at uh, our alma mater I, I don't honestly. You know, I have so much respect from Coach D, and you know, I've seen him around his family, and he, that's something that he says to me all the like he says to the team all the time. And and cases like this where we have the sexual assault is, 
you know, I've spent time with him and his daughters. I'm, I'm close with his wife and his daughters too. And he always says, you know, like he, he takes it into his mind. Like what if this was my daughter? And that's his mind mindset going into cases like this. So, and, and that's the way that he takes uh, what he does in that situation forward. And for me, that's, that's, that, I mean, if, if, if his daughter were to be sexually assaulted, he would warrant that coach or that administration to do the right thing, which is what he would do. I want to talk a little bit about your, your time as a Spartan Knight. We'll get a little bit off the, the big news. I know that's a, a tough topic, probably for both of yeah. us being Michigan State alums uh, jointly here. I mean, you had a storybook career at MSU. You as much as anybody really seemed to embrace the rivalry with Michigan. I'm curious, is there anything in particular that made Chris Fry hate the Michigan Wolverines? Well, you know what, I actually, so I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, uh, about five minutes um, from Ohio State. And to be honest, my, like, like I said earlier, like a lot of guys go to their dream school. My dream school was Ohio State, and I didn't get a scholarship there. But growing up, I hated Michigan. Like, that was, that was just who I was as a kid. Like, that was the way that I was raised. And uh, I had the opportunity to come to Michigan State on scholarship and, and play the game that I love. And it just so happened to work out that the same team I hated growing up is the same team that my college team hated. And so that, that rivalry just, as a kid, with Ohio State-Michigan, fueled my rivalry between Michigan and Ohio, Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah, it's it was an easy transition, I'm sure. It flips right over. You know, Mich- Michigan pretty much, Chris, dominated MSU my entire life. Uh, I, I lived with getting a pounding from Michigan like every year, it felt like. Once every five or six years, they would, you know, get up and pop them. And then Mark D'Antonio arrives about a decade ago. He flips the script. He's since gone eight and three since he arrived. How do you think he has managed to turn that rivalry, which had so long been in Michigan's favor, in Michigan State's favor? Well, you look at look at his look at his record, and that that speaks uh, volumes for the kind of coach that he is when it comes to the game. Uh, he took from day one took this rivalry to heart. Um, he went. He was a coach at Ohio State. He knew what the rivalry with Michigan was about when he was at Ohio State, and just like me, rolled over to Michigan State. And for him to be able to take a team that was dominated for decades by Michigan and won only once in a blue moon to a team that's won eight of the last 10 is an unbelievable accomplishment. And like I said, speaks volumes to the kind of coach that he is. And and on top of that, you know, he takes guys that, you know, Michigan constantly recruits four and five-star guys. Their their roster is filled with them. And at Michigan State, we get the, you know, the the hardworking two and three stars, sometimes not even no stars, and we come to work every single day, and we, we come with that chip on our shoulder, and uh, it, it adds to our drive and um, our everything that has to do with football that, that strives to be great and win, win every single year in this rivalry. And, and I think that's also something that plays into this. It's huge. You know, hours before the game in Ann Arbor this year, Desmond Howard went on national TV and said that Michigan State was not a top priority for Michigan, that – the game was, you know, it's a game they care about, but it wasn't really a big deal to the Wolverines. Does that type of stuff, which comes up, it seems like always, does that type of stuff fuel the football program in East Lansing? Like, as a player, do you hear that stuff, and do you apply it at all? Oh, we laugh at it. We think it's funny. Um, they they try and downplay it because we constantly beat them. Uh, like, in for example, in 
same guy, 20, what was it, 2015, we went on the, the punt, uh, the last punt of the game, and, you know, he's on national television laughing and giggling having a good time, and then you see him 10 seconds later about to cry. And that kind of stuff is funny to us. Like, and that's part of the reason why we went, because they have this mindset that we're not as good as them, and they don't take this rivalry to heart. And we come in and we work every single day for this rivalry. We do something extra every single day to beat Michigan, and that's why we beat Michigan. What did you guys think of Jim Harbaugh during your time at MSU? Like just the, the antics, the, the trips to Italy, the sleepovers at recruits' houses. I mean, was that kind of like a, a, a joke to you guys? What did you think of Harbaugh uh, on the, just in general? Definitely a joke. Um, to be honest, you know, if, if Jim Harbaugh coached at any other university, I probably wouldn't have a problem with him. Uh, but the fact that he chose at Michigan and, you know, you see guys that played at Michigan in the past that, you know, they, they think Harbaugh's a good coach, but he cares more about, you know, wearing Jordan stuff and being in music videos and saying who's got it better than us, but not beating, not winning a rivalry game, winning one rivalry game in the four years that he's been there or whatever. And, you know, going on trips to Rome and, and whatever he does, focus more on winning games and beating teams with a winning record than wearing Jordan stuff and going to Rome and being in uh, in, in, in uh, music videos. That's that's funny to us. Like we we laugh about that stuff. And the funny thing is, is like Coach D is not like that at all. Like Coach D is business, strictly business. You know, if if anything has to do with you know, the swag that we have on the field, that goes through our equipment people. That has nothing to do with Coach D. You know, as captains and as, as Eagles, we go to Coach D to ask what colors we can wear on a week, like if we can wear all white or all green or whatever. And he has final say on that, but he could give he, – he couldn't care less unless we look exactly the same. He wants every player on the team to be identical in what they wear. And, you know, that, that, kind, that kind of stuff just – like I said, it's funny to us. We laugh at it. And that, that fuels the rivalry because they, once again, just think that they can do whatever and say whatever and wear whatever but not put forth the effort to beat the teams that mean something in the game of football. So what what's next for you? Have you begun preparations for the NFL draft? I mean, I assume you're looking at, at a, a career post-college with the production you had your senior season. What, what's next for Chris Fry? So I'm down in Miami right now. I'm uh, training at, uh, with Pete Bomarito at uh, Bomarito Performance Systems in Aventura. I've uh, been here for four weeks now. And, yeah, like you said, just training, getting ready for uh, pro day and uh, and hopefully a shot at, you know, living out my childhood dream and playing in the NFL. Uh, it's something I've dreamed about my entire life and, you know, have really you know, from day one have had this, this mindset that I'm going to make it to the NFL and, this is my opportunity, and uh, I'm taking it very seriously and just ha- trying to have a good time down here and learn learn the most that I can and uh, get ready for payday and show the, the scouts that, you know, I can play – not that I can play the game of football, but I can also put up the numbers because they can, they can go back and they can watch the film and see what I did on the field. But this is an opportunity for me to put numbers down on a piece of paper and show that I can – run whatever they want me to run or jump whatever they want me to jump and you know do the basic drills that I have to do at pro day and, and look good doing them.
Well, Chris Fry, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, continued success in your football career. It is definitely a, a dark period for our alma mater in East Lansing. I know not the easiest topic to discuss and your former coach under fire. So really appreciate the time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Anytime. That was Chris Fry, former Michigan State linebacker, team captain for the 2017 squad that uh, won 10 games coming off a 3-9 and nine season. Uh, tough topic, obviously, and, and Chris didn't uh, pull any punches there for a guy that you know had, had been through so much with Mark D'Antonio. It, it's tough. It, that's a, a tough position to be in, and he's out there on the front lines trying to defend his coach. Again, we don't know where this whole thing is going just yet. Uh, there may be some bombshell report on the horizon. Something may come out with the AG's investigation. So I can't dig in the sand and say, I don't think Mark D'Antonio did anything wrong because I don't know. But uh, And even Chris Fry said that they're not really sure where this is going. And he talks to his, his former teammates that are going to be on the team next year still, and they don't really know. So there's a, a holding period here for a lot of people. But he seems to be uh, in the camp that D'Antonio will be cleared in this investigation. Uh, maybe there was something that he could have done better, but nothing uh, that would sort of rise to the level of malfeasance or um, you know, direct intentional negligence in, in any way. So we'll see. I mean, it, obviously a tough topic, and there's going to be a lot coming out in the following months. Uh, we do appreciate Chris Fry joining us. Now to get the opposite end of the spectrum, we're going to bring in the biggest Michigan slappy in the world, Mr. Greg Henson. Greg Henson joining us next on Spiro Avenue. You are listening to the Spiro Avenue podcast with Justin Spiro and Eric Vincent. We are back on Spiro Avenue. Justin Spiro, producer Eric Vincent. Joining us now, longtime Detroit sports radio personality, currently residing in Pittsburgh, huge Michigan fan, Mr. Greg Henson. Greg, thanks for joining us. What's happening, guys? How are you? Uh, we're good. I mean, I got to tell you, Greg, uh, times are not wonderful for me. As you know, in East Lansing, things are a, a crisis. It, it is a, a nightmare of unprecedented degree. And the sad thing is it could be getting potentially worse. So things are not great for me or my alma mater. I'm sure much to your pleasure, though. Well, no, it's not to my pleasure. I don't really care about Sparty. Um, oh, see, see, your Twitter account would beg to differ because you have been dancing around. and Just news. Just news. News? You, this yeah, is the only thing you've been talking about, Greg, for the last seven days. Don't be disingenuous now. Not he, at all. I mean, I don't care if that program – Lives or dies, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I hope Izzo stays forever because Beeline beats his ass. Oh, come um, on. Izzo has a winning record against John Beeline all time. That's a fact. Lost, he's lost, what, five of the last seven or four of the last five or something like that? Well, you're the, Mich- you're the Michigan fan. Don't you care about the all-time record? I got to hear about what you guys did before the schools were integrated back in, like, 1830. Well, I'll go back and find out when I ever said anything about that. I, I mean, you you still brag about ahead, wins when Stonewall Jackson was running around knocking women up. I, I mean, come, I what are you talking that, about? I don't think that's true. I don't think that is true. Now you can go look at my Twitter feed. Um, I don't really care what happens with Antonio and Izzo. I, I mean, my the, the thing is though is is that the fact that they would allow this to happen and not do anything about it is more maddening. You know, I, I that, that's the thing. I'm, I'm stunned at their behavior. If it's true. 
Well, because I expected way more of both of these guys. At least that's what the Detroit media has been telling me for 15 years. I'm curious what you mean. Like, what are they supposed to do at this juncture? I mean, what? I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm just curious, like, if you can narrow that down. Oh, no. Like, no, my my point is, is if what OTL said is true, yeah, yeah, I'm stunned at their behavior. I got. You. I would have. Yep. I honestly would not have thought Izzo or D'Antonio would have been the type to look the other way. That shocks me. And not to cast aspersions on D'Antonio, because it's not about that, but like Izzo in particular, there was just a, a ranking that came out. All They pulled all the coaches in college basketball. It was who's like the most honest, least corrupt coaches in college basketball. And your coach in Ann Arbor was actually number one, John Beeline. And Izzo was, I think, fourth or fifth. I mean, he was definitely in the top five. I mean, he was considered essentially uncorruptible. And we don't know that that's been disproven necessarily. But there's, sure. there's some smoke there that I agree. I mean, I am – I wouldn't have been absolutely stunned with something going on with the football program. I mean, there's some situations there that I don't love, like D'Antonio picking up Chris L. Rucker from prison and, like, driving him to the practice field. Like, that was, the optics on that weren't great. Uh, but Izzo, I mean, if there's something there with Izzo, I, it's very upsetting. This Travis Walton thing is really what I'm honing in on. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, that's, like, to me, everything else, like the pain and Appling thing, it was, you know, if it's true, obviously it's terrible, but it was investigated. There were no charges. They were cleared. I mean, that's just what the record says. I wasn't interviewing them. I didn't investigate them. I, I just know that if for the coach, if something's investigated and these people are cleared, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you, you can't. My only question would be, then they get to go after the prosecutor and find out what his deal was. Wasn't he just released from prison on his own issues? Um, so you got to look at that guy, the prosecutor, and then you have to, You'd have to take a step back and say, and look at Payne's comments, because didn't Payne kind of cop to it? it? You know, I haven't gone back, like, since this thing popped back up and, you know, read the transcript, and I think there's video of it, too. But I know I did read the transcript, like, you know, whenever this thing kind of first came out a couple years ago, and it, mm. w- it was troubling. I mean, if I recall... It wasn't necessarily a, a full condemnation where, you know, you had the smoking gun. It was more like, eh, she may not have wanted it. She may have said so, – you know what I mean? Like, right, I, I right. remember – and again, this is with the caveat. I don't remember it vividly. I'd have to look back. But I do remember reading it and being like – you know, I was in law school at the time when I read it and being like, eh, I wouldn't indict someone based on that. And I think there's a right. reason why they didn't pursue charges based on that but it was definitely not like a, a typical I don't know what this woman's talking about like of course it was you know what I mean it was it was disturbing right. there's no question the Walton thing though is really yeah. I mean that's like and obviously the pain crime if it happened is worse but the Walton thing to me is like pretty clear that it did happen I mean at least from what I can mm-hmm. tell and I don't know how you like have zero punishment for a guy who allegedly was it slapped or punched a woman at a bar, knocking her twice. unconscious twice? Yeah, and then was accused of another sexual assault after that. It's like how how did we just find out about this, and why was he allowed the coach after knocking this woman out? It's like unbelievable. Well, let me ask your question. Let me ask your question. Is that a fireable offense for Izzo? Is it? Would would I fire Tom Izzo over that? Yeah. If. Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Justin. In a post-Nasser world, you may have to. If this is a standalone issue and Nasser never happened, I bet you he survives. But right now, the way things are, 
I think there's going to be a lot of pressure once this continues to get rid of him. And I don't know that for fact. I'm just, I'm just walking down the road thinking, you know, if Nasser doesn't exist and he didn't do this horrible, horrible stuff to these, these, um, these women, do you fire Izzo for not getting rid of Walton? Or do you say, you know, uh, you're suspended for a year? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It, that's, there's a lot of real – we're not even nearly far enough down the road on this yet to know what's going to happen. No, and that's the thing. Everything that – you know, I know you haven't been listening because it's not a live radio show, but everything we've said up to this point – on the program has been there's a lot of asterisks next to everything we say because there's holes that mm-hmm. need to be plugged. There's a chance that someone listens to this podcast in two months and is like, oh, you know, Spiro and Henson are the biggest idiots in the world because new things will come out. So we don't know. Sure. Everyth- everything has that that sort of a caveat attached to it. I will say if we know that Tom Izzo knew about this Travis Walton thing, had reason to believe that it was true, it actually happened, and he did nothing, he didn't immediately suspend if not expel Walton from the coaching staff to me that that's absolutely a fireable offense would I fire him you have to look at everything in balance like he's a guy that's run a really clean program for almost 30 years I don't know if that's enough alone to fire him but if they did fire him over that I would not think it was egregious I mean you're kind you're in bad territory if you're finding out that this guy's uh, underling his subordinate is knocking women out at a bar and you did nothing. I mean, you just that's that's. I don't want to be in those waters. That's bad territory for Izzo if that's true. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And and then when you add it with the pain and appling stuff, whatever comes of that, and we don't know. Um, is there a statute of limitations to to prosecute those two ten years later? They, Eight years later? For appling and pain? If for something that, yeah, there is a statute of limitations, not if there's new like evidence brought. Um, okay. So the, because it was already explored, I, I don't think they can do anything to them. I mean, there's always a question. People, you know, people say like, "Oh, can you sue me for that?" You can always sue anybody for anything. It's just a matter of whether it'll prevail. Sure. That that's not a winning battle for a prosecution. It would it wouldn't go anywhere. So it's more about the court of public opinion and any punishment that the NCAA may levy against uh, Michigan State. I don't see the AG's office going after that issue. I mean, that ship kind of sailed. Um, you know, once because the defense would just is, in that situation is going to say, "Look, you investigated this, you cleared them. What are you like? What are you doing?" So unless there's some yeah. new evidence, I think they're safe legally. But that doesn't mean that Tom Izzo is necessarily out of the water if they find something else troubling that he knew. I for me, the Walton thing is the key, and I know we keep coming back to that, but that's something that, so far as we know. Uh, was not out. I mean, I, it's the first I've heard of it, so I, that's going to be interesting to follow. And, and you followed the media closely uh, during your time in Detroit. Uh, you were a, a frequent media critic. Uh, that's a big part of why I liked you and was trying to get you back here a few years ago. I, I mean, I know you're watching from afar, Greg, but how do you think specifically the Michigan State media has handled the situation? Chris Solari, Graham Couch, et cetera. Has the MSU contingent from what you've seen covered this crisis properly? Uh, yes and no. Don't, I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like they're doing the absolute minimum. Like, I don't think they're, they're not pushing the story. I, I don't know what the hell Graham Couch is thinking. When I see some of the stuff he writes, it blows me away, especially on Twitter. So Larry's been fine, but, you know, didn't they just release a report in the last uh, 24 hours? That, that it, it's fascinating to me that it came out after the OTL report. And let's face it, there are a lot of question marks at Michigan State that we don't even know what happened. You know, like uh, 
like the you know with with Bulla. What happened with him? We should be able to figure that out, shouldn't we? What happened with L.J. Scott? Was he involved in something when they were, you know, when when they were talking about uh, the four guys from last year? Um, I don't know. The media, to me, does the absolute minimum because they're all fearful. They're all fearful of having their access revoked. You know, the only one who's not. John Bacon, and I know you're going to say, oh, he's a Michigan guy. No, 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 Greg, Greg, John Bacon to me is one of the three best journalists in the state. Well, and when they threw when they threw him out of the press box in the Dave Brandon era, he bought a ticket and went to the game. So that's what I'm saying is he's a guy who wasn't going to be bullied by those guys, but I think the rest of them are. I feel like all the radio guys are. I mean, there's a lot of glad-handing that goes on. You know, no one – I mean, even Valenti didn't even talk about the Nasser thing until it was such a big story he couldn't ignore it. And then the guy goes on vacation, which I'm not—I'm sure it was scheduled, I, it, but it seems like that guy, it, it is— I'd have found a studio. I would have oh, found a studio. How are you—and, you know, people said, oh, he called into Rieger's show for four minutes. It's like he should be on the phone for an entire hour at least. If I mean, if you're on vacation, so be it. Be, be accessible. Don't call in and have a call just slightly longer than your average— Joe from Mount Clemens calling in to talk about food carts. I mean, I right. thought he really cowered from that. If you want to be, and look, he has a major fumble, major fumble. He, on his part. And you know what? If this were someone like, you know, Scott Anderson, who no one even knows he went to Michigan state necessarily like fine, mm-hmm. that's fine. But if you want to be the green caped warrior, the, the <laughs> Mr. Michigan state all the time, you got to be front and center. You can't duck out and say, oh, I'm on vacation. He should have been on the line for an hour. I don't want to hear any excuses unless you're, like, in the hospital. He needed right. to be very present, and I thought that was bad. And you talk hey, about – you know what I did, though? Go ahead. I had, the, I, I had the stream on, and I was waiting. And when I heard that he wasn't there, I threw something at my thing and just turned it off. I thought, are you kidding me, you abject coward? That was so bad. And again, I I'm sure this vacation was scheduled since August. I I'm not sure. I'm not suggesting like that he booked a flight, but you got to call in for more than four and a half minutes. He was on for less than like it wasn't even a full segment. It's like did he say where he was? Uh, you know, I caught everything but when he first called in because I got a text from a buddy saying that Valenti was on, and I turned it on. So if they mentioned it, um, it was in the first thirty seconds. I don't know if you know where he is. Um, you know what? The the only thing I can say is. Find a studio. You can find them all over. Or at least just call call for. I mean, you're call. You're not in my studio right now, Greg. We're having a, a long form discussion about this. Like, sure. it, it there's just no excuse. That was so bad. And the I call the Michigan State media and a lot of the Detroit media in general. Uh, I coined the phrase press conference stenographers, where they basically yeah. just kind of, there's exceptions, but they go and they, they sit at the press conference, they take down quotes, and they write a story that may as well have been written by the AP guy that's never even been in the state of Michigan, and they plug in quotes. It's like a monkey could basically do that job. Did and, you hear the OTL reporter today? No. Oh, there after the Maryland game today, oh, a woman got up there and questioned him harder than any guy ever has. He said, I don't want to talk about it, don't want to talk about it. She asked him four questions. Then when she was done, no one followed up. They said, well, how was the atmosphere for the game today? Oh, my God. Oh, you got to listen. Oh. This woman has bigger cojones than any 
of the Spartan media that was sitting in, at the Maryland Arena today. And, you know, I'll say this, and I didn't catch that. I mean, obviously, I take your word for it. That's just unreal. Um, I think Chris Solari's reporting from what I've seen has been very good. He's been on top mm-hmm. of it. He's been actually digging, so I don't want to throw him into this. It's not to say he's been as tough as he could possibly be, but, like, the Graham Couch stuff, it's like he's already running interference for the program, it seems like. It's yeah. like, like, why are you a journalist? Like, why? Like He's, a, he's an embarrassment, bro. Oh, I agree. I want nothing to do. You know, and I've met him. Like, I think he's like a really nice guy. But as yeah. a as a journalist, it's like, uh, why why is this your chosen profession? It's like you're a plumber that's going in and like clogging up toilets on purpose. Like his job is to unearth stuff, and he yeah. he he shovels dirt on it to cover it up. He's like the he's functioning as the exact opposite of what his job description should be. Well, you know, the media for a long time has been apologizing for Izzo. And, you know, a lot of what I tweet about Izzo is really just direct quotes about what state fans said about Harbaugh last year. So I get a kick out of it. But, you know, they they don't hold his feet to the fire. I mean, this team's won one national title, Justin, in in 18 years. And they act like he's Coach K. You know, and and I think, you know, you got to give him a certain amount of respect for what he's accomplished as a head coach. But, they don't. They never say, "Tom, you won one title. Why do you deserve to be in the same category as Coach K? You're one and nine against him. Is that is that right? In North Carolina, I think it's one. I think, I think I think it's one in ten after Duke won this year. I think it's one in ten right. now. So and, right. I've look. I mean, just simple simple stuff like that, though, Spiro. That they never even question. That's just a simple question. Tom's a grown man. He can answer that question, but they don't. They glad hand with him. They kiss his ass. I, I totally agree. And look, I love Tom Izzo. He's not beyond reproach. And I don't think you can put him in that Roy Williams category, that, that certainly that Coach K category, for one, because those two have completely bombed Izzo for the last 20 years. I mean, right. uh, obviously, State beat UNC this year, but Roy Williams is still like, what, 9 and 2 or 7 and 2 against them or something, whatever it is. I, yeah, look, I, I, don't th- I don't think Izzo is in that top, top, top tier with Coach K, Roy Williams, rest in peace Rick Pitino. I'd put Pitino in there as, as scummy yeah. as he is. I think he's a great coach. I think you yeah. guys should have beaten them that year if it weren't for that Trey Burke call, but uh, I, sure, I, I, I digress. But I, I do think Izzo's at the very, very top of that second tier. I think he's great. I mean, I think he's a top six, seven coach, but whatever. I agree. I mean, the media has failed for years in – putting him to any sort of fire when it was appropriate. And, look, I, I think there's enough to say about Izzo. There's enough there that you can criticize. He talks about being elite, and he mm-hmm. hasn't performed at an elite level. He's in the top of the second tier, but he's not Coach Gay. I agree with you. Well, you know, and that's the same thing. You can say the same thing about Jim Harbaugh. He's not elite yet. I mean, he's had some nice seasons, uh, both at Stanford and Michigan. But, you know, call me when he wins a game on the road. You know, I, I'm not – I'm not so naive to think that he's beyond reproach. The guy hasn't won a big game. You know, well, he's won a couple medium-sized games, but nothing major. Go on the road and get a win. You know, and, but, but, but they definitely have no problem calling him out. That's the thing that fascinates me. Who? Wait, wait a minute, because this is where I oh. disagree with you. Harbaugh has oh. gotten a total pass from your oh, fan no, base no, in the no. media. Who, who has called out Jim Harbaugh in the media? Oh, this is the morning show on the ticket. Okay, well, nobody listens to that. Who? Well, that's true. I, I mean, I I haven't read anything well, in print. The, send me I the link of send me the link of someone calling out Jim Harbaugh in the Detroit media. This is news to me. Wait, you don't think 
you don't think Nick Baumgartner got after him a little bit? Right, Nick, ended? A little bit. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think I think Nick's really good. I really do. He's not afraid of those guys. That's and, that's fair. You know, I, Nick's done a nice job. But I I'm think, talking more about I'm talking more about the '97 one, the Spartans. Well, that's fine. I mean, uh, let me just ask you. Let's forget everyone else. I mean, you've been a huge supporter of Jim Harbaugh. I, you can admit the guy was not hired to go eight and four, nine and three. Uh, through three, no. I mean, through three years. I'm not talking about big picture. I'm not shoveling dirt on anything. But the first three years in a vacuum alone, has Jim Harbaugh failed as a head coach? Oh, not he hasn't failed, but he hasn't he hasn't achieved. I mean, using you know, isn't the in a, isn't the me, failure to achieve by definition failure? He, he he's getting paid no, nine million dollars a year. Do you? But no, he doesn't. He makes seven. Okay, he stop, made nine last year. He, he okay, okay, he's seven. I'm sorry. So he's a bargain second. bin coach, I guess. I mean, who no, cares? But the, but the point is, is he's won 28 games in three years. That's not fail. He hasn't won the big one yet. And, and if if we're going to use that definition, then Tony was a fail. Then, uh, hasn't not, hasn't won fail. the big – what do you mean hasn't won the big one? He hasn't gotten to the big one yet. And what's the big one? Are you talking about Indy? Because he hasn't gotten to Indy yet. It's not like he's had near misses. I mean, yeah, he has two what, years what, ago. That wasn't a – they didn't go to Indy. Ohio State, he's going to the Big Ten title game. Okay, but did they go to the big game? No, they didn't. Right, but you don't think fourth and one call that doesn't go their way, and I'm not saying it was a bad call, Call didn't go their way. That, if that call goes their way, they're going to the big one. Okay, That's so okay, so we're two degrees of separation away. We're two. <laughs> so we're two. We're two degrees of separation away from you being happy. I just want to make that clear. So they almost Here's got. Here's the deal, though. I'm perfectly happy with the Michigan program right now. They're going to be fine. I have no concerns. Why? Well, you zero. see, see. I'll, here's where I'll agree with you. I think the people panicking over Harbaugh are a little nuts, too. I mean, it's like, to me, yeah. he's still one of the best 10 coaches in football, college, or pro. I mean, I, I, I love Jim Harbaugh. I'm not a Harbaugh hater. I think at he'll all. get it right this year and next year. And, I, and then I think going forward, they'll be good. They'll be fine. Well, what, this is a big year for him. It's, it's unfortunate the way the schedule plays out. But, you know, if you want to be the best, go win them. What do you see and in but, year four? Like, what do you need to see in year four to be happy? Like, where you're going to be in here saying he did a good job? I mean, you can't go 10 and 2, right? I mean, come on. I think ten and two is realistic. I really do. Oh, I, I don't. Oh, okay. But are you going to be happy expect, if they go ten and two and don't go to Indy? Well, here's the okay. I'm not unhappy with the program right now. If they go on the road next year and they beat Michigan State and then beat Ohio State, I will be happy if it's ten and two. Depends on what the wins are. But I mean, I just. I just I think it's unrealistic to think that they're going to go undefeated next year. You don't know who the quarterback is. You don't know if your offensive line can block yet. You know we have a lot of question marks to see on this team before we can make any any real real evaluations. But you know, Spiro, I'm not betting on them to do anything until they go on the road and win a game. Why? Well, I think that's probably smart. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to assume it's a loss until they show me different. I mean, for for Michigan though, it's like you 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 have an elite coach, or you know, certainly up there, one of the best coaches. You have all this infrastructure, you have all this money behind the program. It's like you're in year four. The fact that you're sitting here being like, ah, we'll wait and see. I'm not going to say anything. Ten and two would. Be I don't know who the quarterback is. No, I, it's not your fault. I'm saying, isn't it bad that isn't it bad that you're going in this unsure? Like Michigan well, State's coming in with their chest puffed out next year. 
You know, it's, I mean, for better. You know what, though? That can change on a dime. If they get their face kicked in, that'll change overnight. You know, they, they just, they can puff their chest out because just like, the, just like Michigan just beat Michigan State in East Lansing, right? Their chest's all puffed out. Well, that ends for, in a hurry if they lose in the first round of the tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I, I mean, mean, it's all, it's all ebbs and flows. And the thing is, oh, I think there's context for the Michigan football program. I, I think in, in, it's some of it's Harbaugh's fault. He missed on offensive linemen. He didn't get tackles when he needed them. And now he's paying the price because he doesn't have great tackles. And his offensive line is suspect because he hasn't done a good enough job. His running backs are average. He finally got a quarterback if he's eligible. You know, we're, it's, to me, this is just a big I don't know. You know, I mean, is, is what's-his-face, the Anwenu, going to be any good? He lost his job to Ruiz last year. Uh, let me just ask you about future with Jim Harbaugh. You have connections to Harbaugh. You broke the story of Jim Harbaugh coming here when it was considered absurd. Uh, the rumors are a constant with this guy. Obviously, he's not going to the Colts. They announce it's McDaniels, but every year this pops up. What's the percentage chance? I'm not going to ask you about this year or next year. What's the percentage chance in your mind that Jim Harbaugh is the Michigan coach five years from now? 99.8%. Wow, five years from now? Because you realize that'd be about doubling his, his longest tenure anywhere I, if, if he's here in six years. But this is different, okay? He, he, this is his alma mater. That's the difference. And, no, and everyone ignores that. I don't think Jim Harbaugh will leave Michigan, uh, and I don't think they'll fire him. I really don't, Justin. I think he'll be there. If he wins nine and ten games every year, he'll be there for the duration. If he, if he slips up and has back-to-back five-win seasons, that must be a problem. I just don't think that'll happen. I'm not as worried about the on-field results and they, they would fire him for that reason. He just seems like such a grating personality, and he burns people out. I mean, that's that's more my concern more than, oh, they'd look at a five-win season. I just think he might drive them all nuts. I don't know. You're much more plugged into the dynamics up there. Well, I'm just looking at the history. They love it. No one has any issues with him in Ann Arbor. I mean, there's, there's a couple of grumblings from a couple of people, but I'll tell you what. I think from what I've heard and been told, the issues aren't with Harbaugh. The issues are with a lot of the infrastructure that's in place up there right now that make it tough to navigate. I, one, guy quote, uh, one guy gave me a great quote. He said, it'd be tough for God to win at Michigan with all the crap that goes on up there. That was a lot of what was going on with the John U. Bacon book with Ritra, too. I mean, I don't know if you're talking about the same kind of stuff, but like, yeah. there's a lot of nonsense up there. There is a lot of nonsense, and there's even, you know, there's a lot of nonsense like Amani Toomer. I mean, where did that come from? Amani Toomer, the guy lost four games 40 times in his five years or four years at Michigan, and then he, he says that that's not acceptable? I mean, what was that? That, to me, was one of the – Brian Greasy's not on board. He's a jerk. Um, you know, there's a lot of players who are – they're into factions. And Harbaugh doesn't unify factions. He just does his job. And, and unfortunately, you know how that is. You got to really, really, uh, you got to be able to bring people together, and that's just not going to be Harbaugh's deal. So they're either going to keep bitching about him behind his back, or get on board. And I'm guessing they're just going to keep bitching behind his back. Yeah, he's not a politician. I mean, that's just no. Not... He doesn't want to play politics. You know, that's not him. No. Antonio's not a politician either. No, I don't think so at all. And look, I I think as big of a Michigan State fan as I am. I mean, if I were a Michigan fan, I want Jim Harbaugh to stay right where he's at. I mean, I, I think he is still one of the best coaches in football. So I, I think your program's going to be fine. But this year, to me, 
if they go like seven and five or eight and four again, then even I'm going to have to start thinking about it. I'm not saying, oh, I'd fire him because I wouldn't fire him, but I'm going to start having real thoughts about whether this guy's ever going to win at the level that was hoped for. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. At, at some point you have to – I mean, you can keep saying, oh, who knows about the quarterback and the politics. I mean, at some point, like, go 11-1. and one. Like, get to Indy, win in Indy. I'm not saying you have to win the national title, but, like, get to the playoff. I, at some point – you have to get there. I mean, you can write the excuses all day, and it's not to say that some of them aren't valid, but at some point, just get there. I mean, little brother well, got and there. and they will. And they will. And, and I just think it's funny that, of course, Michigan finally goes out. We assume they got the right coach. They're starting to get some talent now. And then the rest of the damn division is good again. Ohio State's nearly unbeatable with their recruiting, and Michigan State's doing fine with Antonio. And, you know, James Franklin, you know, goes to Penn State, Sanctions are lifted, and he's running at full speed. I mean, it's never been tougher to win that division. No, you're right. You're right. And he's faced with having to win it eventually here soon. So it'll huh. be interesting. There's no doubt that, you know, he's got a – I think the next two years will be good. I think this year will be 10-2, and two, and then they'll compete the Marbles the next year. You know, they'll lose Gary probably, but they'll still have a ton of people back. I mean, what are they bringing back, 20 or 22 starters? Yeah, they're, they're, they should be pretty good. That quarterback spot will be key, which it usually is. Yeah. I mean, not everyone's Saban that can win with some questionable quarterback play, although even he's getting solid play from there lately. But uh, we'll yeah. see. I mean, I, we'll wrap, Greg. I mean, I appreciate you joining us. This is a, a low point for, for Michigan State fans, and you can say that you don't revel in it, but you clearly do. So uh, how, how do I clearly revel in it? Anyone looking at your Twitter feed right now, can see right, what the, on their show? What what on there is reveling in? The fact that it's mentioned in every single tweet. Well, I mean, don't you think it's the biggest story going? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back and bitch about the size of the D on the Tigers. <laughs> I mean, could that be more useless time? It's the biggest story going, and I haven't made any judgments, have I? Oh, of course you have. Have you 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 are ripping. Those coaches are going to be fired. You directly criticized the Michigan State fan base for showing Tom Izzo's support in the game on Friday night. I mean, you because call- that's in, you had fans yelling, "We love Tom Izzo." Well, what do you want him to do? Not yell, "We love Tom Izzo," <laughs> when you're wearing a teal shirt to support the victims <laughs> that that he may or may not have you know covered up. That's that was my only thing. That All was right. bad. You have to admit that was bad. I I would have probably waited a week before I did a wheel of Tom Izzo. You think? <laughs> you know, and and you know what? And and you can support Tom Izzo. You, you know, I'm, just, I'm not here to convict you. I'm just when supporting I saw that waiting. Dude, I rolled my eyes. I uh, like, are you kidding me? So before we wrap, why why'd you block Ryan Schilling? Why you got to be so mean to it, <laughs> poor Ryan? No, right. Uh, I was I was at a show last week. We're good. Okay. Ryan, because it, here's what Ryan did. Ryan made a point and then tried to use tweets of mine to support his point, which wasn't the point at all. Like, he was saying that Michigan fans call for the new quor- uh, the next quarterback all the time, which I never did. Now, I granted, I gave my opinion. I don't think Spate's any good. I don't think Peters is the guy. But I never said change him out because I don't know that the next guy's any better. Well, and I don't but know if that's a Michigan. That my point. I don't know if that's a Michigan fan thing as much as just like a football fan thing, really. I mean, right when your guy's not playing well, yeah, you know. But but my point is, is I've I, have you ever known me other than when Scott Mitchell was the line quarterback? 
to say get the next guy going. I never said put in McCaffrey. I never said play Peters, although I was pleasantly surprised when he got in at first. But he showed that, man, I don't know. Do you think he's the answer there? I don't. Well, I haven't recalled you saying anything like that, but to check that, I would have to wade through all of your Michigan State tweets to find the evidence either way. So All I'm doing is re- is is reacting to the biggest story going. I haven't called for Izzo to be fired. I haven't said D'Antonio has to be fired. But, I mean, this is kind of a big deal. No, it is. You're right. You're right. I, I, I have no problem with you I talking about it. You seem a little – Okay, Greg. You seem it's a, a little – It's story, Spiro. It is, but it's the way you're handling it. You seem a little too happy about it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. But you know me. I, I've long thought Izzo was kind of a phony. I've said that for years. <laughs> there it is. There it is. But, but I could back it up. I mean, I sat there when he was an assistant coach talking to Stoney and Parker, and he was bitching about Michigan recruit out recruiting him. And I thought to myself, then get in your car and do it better. Which he did for the last 25 years. So I I guess he must have heard you. Yeah, and and it has exactly as many national titles as Steve Fisher. So there's that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Overrated. Okay, Greg. Greg, I want to have you. I, I want to have you back because you know you. Just like Harbaugh, man, he's overrated. Just like uh, Harbaugh. Yeah, all it right. sucks when your narrative gets thrown back in your J- face. Oh, yeah, it? just like Harbaugh. I, when did Jim Harbaugh go to seven college football playoffs? I haven't even been that many yet. I mean, wait, get, 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 wait, Final Fours don't matter. You told me Final Fours don't matter. When, when that? Who's you? Are you talking parties? Okay, Sparty, yeah, look, you can they find... They never won, man. Greg, never won Greg you year? can look up the evidence of this because I've tweeted about this a thousand times. The people that say that Final Fours don't mean anything on the Michigan State side are stupid. The people, the people, No, no, I know, but I, I agree with you. The people that say, like, oh, the Fab Five never won anything, going to two right. national title games, to me, I is know. winning something. That, I mean... And I agree. And, and, but here's the whole... I'm just pointing out the irony, brother. No, you're right. I agree with you on that. The Michigan State fans are total hypocrites on that. So yeah, and, and, and you know what it is. It's just guys trying to get under each other's skin. And it's so, so enjoyable. I love it. Oh, I, 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 you know what? Normally I agree with you. I don't love it in this context because you'd like to like leave this stuff on the, the curb for something like a sexual assault. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about getting after guys over the – over, yeah, you know the yeah. Izzo rate narrative being overrated, yeah, just like they say about uh, that's, Harbaugh. That's all fair. So you know Harbaugh went to this little thing called the Super Bowl. Nah, he sucks. I know anyone that thinks Jim Harbaugh sucks is ridiculous. So, Greg, I got to let you go. We got to wrap. Uh, thanks for joining right, us. Man. I'd like to have you back uh, from Pittsburgh anytime. One day we'll get you in studio too. You can have your skin melt in the the green neon of the Spiro Avenue studio. I'll have to dress myself in tinfoil. Yeah, please do. Greg, All right, man. thanks well, for, cool. Anytime thanks for you joining got my us. number. Yep, I do. Thanks so much, Greg. All right, take it easy. Greg Henson, former Detroit sports radio personality, uh, PD over at uh, 1270 when they were up and coming. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, Henson is sort of the polar opposite of me. He is the huge Michigan homer, although I like to think I can have some measure of ob- uh, objectivity, which is something um, you know that sometimes eludes Greg uh, on Twitter anyway. But uh, I thought that was an interesting discussion and certainly appreciate Greg joining us. Uh, interesting episode just in general today, kind of hitting it from all angles. We're going to do a very abbreviated, quick things I like, things I don't like, and then wrap the Spiro Avenue podcast episode for this week. These are the things we like very much.
All right, time for things I like, and this is a a short but sweet segment today. Mike Vellani, 97-1, has just been absolutely hammering the Detroit Pistons management for like two years now at least, and I have been in a lockstep with him throughout this entire process. The trade deadline is looming in the NBA, and Mike Vellani is responding in this clip to rumors that the Detroit Pistons might be looking to add pieces for the stretch run. This is a very, very important crossroads for the Pistons. And this is where I am begging ownership to please act somewhat engaged. I mean, I don't know if Tom Gorris resides on this planet. (laughs) But this is where you must fire your president of basketball operations and your head coach. They happen to be the same guy. And you got to empower Jeff Bauer to blow this thing up. So, again, Vlenny's spot on, like he usually is with the Detroit Pistons issues. The fact that the the Pistons are out there uh, looking for pieces to add is just an absolute joke. And the point about the ownership with Tom Gores being completely absent, uh, you know, he made the comment Vlenny did about he doesn't know if Tom Gores resides on this planet. I don't know what else you're supposed to, to think. I mean, if you're a Pistons fan, which there's like 17 of you left, what are you supposed to think about your owner watching this thing crumble to the ground? At the time of this recording, they've lost seven in a row, game against Cleveland on tap. It might be eight. Uh, and Tom Gorge is nowhere to be found. He's in his $75 million house in Malibu. So uh, this whole thing is just an absolute mess. There's nothing to be excited about. You have the Jasper Apollonias of the world out there talking about Andre Drummond's going to lead the team to the promised land. A guy like Andre Drummond is going to lead this team to anywhere important anywhere meaningful, this team has less than zero chance of ever winning anything with this core. None. There's no chance of it happening. And Valeni has been really on top of this from the beginning. So I was actually listening to that live, a, a rare instance of me catching anything from 97.1 live uh, when that happened, and I was happy to have that recording available. Valeni just nailed it. I mean, Tom Gores uh, – Maybe he's a nice guy, Michigan State alum, all that jazz, but I don't know what to think of this anymore. Tom Gores is just gone. If Tom Gores does care, there's certainly no evidence for that, and I I give Lenny all the credit in the world because he has just been hammering this point home for a long, long time now. So, you know, good for Lenny. He made it to the Things I Like segment for this week. Now transitioning to close the show with things I do not like. These are the things we don't like at all. Not one bit. All right, things I don't like. To close the show today, Hondo Carpenter, a fan blogger for a website known as Spartan Nation. He's one of those fan bloggers of which there seem to be way too many these days that have unfettered access to the programs and the subjects that they cover. So Michigan State seems to really like these kind of guys. I happen to be friends with David Harnes, but he's another huge homer that just has full access. I mean, he could basically be in Tom Izzo's bed at any given time. Like literally, he might be there right now. Because Michigan State just loves these bloggers that never ask any tough questions and will just toot the horn for the program all day long. And and Hondo Carpenter is arguably the worst of that kind of, I don't even want to use the term journalist, the worst of that kind of blogger. So everyone knows what's going on. The outside the line story breaks and there is a potential implication of Mark D'Antonio. And things do not look good for Mark D'Antonio. We've talked about this all day. We can't bury Mark D'Antonio intelligently just yet, but it's certainly not the time to be rah rah Mark D'Antonio, if anything. You want to at least have a measured approach to this. So what does Hondo Carpenter do while D'Antonio is getting understandably killed 
by everybody on Twitter, Hondo tweets out, quote, By the way, for all the haters, Coach D'Antonio and Coach Staten were out recruiting in the state of Michigan today. This is the typical ridiculous fanboy crap that we see from these bloggers, and it's frankly, it's just not the line you want to take. You have the unprecedented worst scandal in the history of college athletics. You have your point man in the football program, Mark D'Antonio, coming under immense fire. And your tweet to the masses, your response to this, is, by the way, for all the haters, Coach D'Antonio is out recruiting right now? Like, how tone deaf can you possibly be to take that stance? And we're not talking about Mark D'Antonio getting somebody out of a parking ticket here. Like, this isn't about faux outrage that I think a lot of people have over, like, meaningless stuff. This is, like, the worst scandal ever, literally, in college athletics. Like, literally the worst. Might, just might, want to shelve any talk about Mark D'Antonio's recruiting efforts and you're addressing all the haters on Twitter, the haters? Like, it's just haterade that people are like, oh, Mark D'Antonio should probably take these sexual assault allegations to the police, assuming he hasn't. I mean, it's like, look, I'm all for a wait-and-see approach. I've advocated for it from the beginning, but you don't want to talk about recruiting at this juncture. It's just it's stupid. And look, he, he clarified the context a little bit of his statement, saying that Hondo was getting – crap about uh, saying that D'Antonio was out recruiting and hadn't resigned yet or whatever such nonsense, but you can't be out there addressing the haters that are interested in this case and are demanding answers. So I thought that was just as tone deaf as anything we've seen from the Michigan State camp, and Hondo may not be like an official member of that camp, but believe me, everybody up there has their arm around guys like Hondo because he's a cheerleader. And anyone that's going up there with a pen and a notepad and pretending to be a journalist and tweet something like that, it tells you all you need to know about these fanboy bloggers. It's just bad stuff. It's tone deaf. And Hondo, look, I mean, he's not like Tom Izzo, but he does have a a nice little following. And he does have a lot of people that read his website and his blog and, you know, his Twitter feed. It's just another and a long line of embarrassing displays from people that have some affiliation, direct or otherwise, with this program. So it's just bad stuff. It's just bad on Hondo. Everyone in the Michigan State camp needs to think really long and hard about really anything they say. Now's not the time, as Greg Henson mentioned earlier, to be like waving the pom-poms. I'm not saying you bury your team. I'm not saying you drag yourself out to the town square and let yourself be tarred and feathered. But now is not the time to be talking about recruits and, and winning in Ann Arbor and, and all that. That's not, that, that. That stuff doesn't matter. No discussion about recruits or on-field success or on-court success should even have any place in anything to do with this investigation. It's irrelevant. It's disgusting to bring it up. It, it's very Penn State of Hondo and very Penn State of anyone that does that. Those Penn Staters that, that burned their own campus to the ground because Joe Pa was fired. So don't be that guy. Don't be Hondo Carpenter. That's one of the worst things I've seen in a long time in this whole process. It was just a real low point. I barely, barely included it because I think Hondo Carpenter as, is as fringe media as you can possibly get. But he's in the segment regardless. It was bad enough to qualify. So that's it. Uh, if you're wondering why my producer was so silent today when normally Eric is quite talkative, Uh, A little bit of technical difficulties on his mic, so I'm sure Eric will be 
a little bit more vocal when his equipment actually works next time. Uh, we're looking at a, a Tigers heavy episode uh, going forward for our next one. Tony Paul probably in studio to discuss Tigers Fest, which did not sell out for my understanding for the first time like ever. Uh, underwhelming enthusiasm to say the least around that that organization. So obviously anything changing uh, drastically one way or the other for Michigan State will be addressed here as well. Uh, we thank you all for joining us again. Thanks to Chris Fry, Michigan State uh, former team captain and linebacker, sharing his thoughts. Greg Henson calling in from Pittsburgh. And as always, our producer, Eric Vincent, holding it down at the computer for us and on the board. Uh, this has been Spiro Avenue. Not our our best week for Michigan State Spartan Nation, but uh, we're going to hang in there and, and keep things honest. And hopefully it doesn't get much worse than it already has been. Uh, we'll hold out hope. And most importantly, again, keeping in mind the survivors and this isn't about wins and losses. This is is way beyond that. So we just need to get whatever measure of justice is possible for the victims here, and that's going to be my stance going forward. If Mark D'Antonio and Tom Izzo are implicated any further or there's some smoking gun that they had any part in this culture, I'll tear their poster off my wall. So that's just where we're at. So Justin Spiro, Spiro Avenue Podcast, uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back this week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spiro Avenue podcast. Follow Justin on Twitter at Darko State News.